Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Severns. I'm the worship pastor at Compass Point Bible Church, and with me today is lead pastor Paul Eastwood. Hey. How are you, Paul? I'm doing okay. That's excellent. You know, we are through Easter. Um, I just saw a meme pass me on the Facebook. Uh, on the Facebook? Yeah. Yeah, I said that. <laughs> on Facebook uh, that, that said, you know, I, I've heard about Lent, but what about second Lent? Because it kind of feels like we're, you know, we're through Lent. We're, we're into Easter. We're into the, the season of celebrating. And yet we're still hanging out, distancing and, you know, pandemicing. And the world is a different place. But... But we got to celebrate the resurrection on Sunday, which is awesome. Yes. And during that time, we're also waiting and wondering, which is kind of part of the whole big deal, right? Asking yeah, questions. We, and we, so we had both a Good Friday service and an Easter Sunday service. And I love you left us off on Good Friday um, thinking about Saturday, thinking about this like weird middle ground um, where we just kind of wait. We don't really know what's next, which feels very appropriate. Yep. Because uh, that's kind of where we're all living these days. And then Easter Sunday, we we gathered in our homes and living rooms at 10 a.m. Uh, we got to sing together and to pray together and to hear from the word together. And you talked about doubt, mm-hmm. um, which was which was great. But can you can you walk me through? We're in the midst of a pandemic. You know, people are um, just wanting to celebrate and stuff. Why did we talk about doubt on Easter Sunday? Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's a couple of reasons for that. I think, I think number one, I would say right now what we're facing, it just kind of felt like, it, I feel like right now for the, maybe for the first time in a long time, you know, since, you know, war times or things like that, we're all looking for the same, we're all asking the same question, you know, what comes next? And I mean, around the world. So not just you and I, but I mean, I mean, we're all like yeah. all around the world. People are asking this question, what comes next? I, I heard somewhere that, a quarter of the world's population or more is under some t- type of quarantine. Um, yeah. So what that means is that there are just, you know, there are literally billions of people who are wondering and waiting and saying, okay, when, what happens next and how do we know what, you know, what goes on? And, and truthfully, you know, we're going to get through this, obviously um, we, mm-hmm. we are going to find uh, a vaccine. We are going, there, there are certain things that, that seem like they're moving in a positive direction, uh, and so we will get past this, but there are lots of people who ask questions that they can't get past. And I wanted to just yeah. uh, delve into that a little bit because I think that it, during this time, it's, it's helpful for us to, to, to wrap our heads around this idea of, uh, you know, what do questions have to do with our faith? Um, mm-hmm. Because I think sometimes we want to avoid questions or run away from them but our questions yep. can actually strengthen us or strengthen our faith. And so that's where we hung out on, on, on Easter. But I would say too, yeah. uh, I would say that one of the things that I find really interesting is that John who wrote the, the, the account of Jesus life, mm-hmm. he ended his account with this very clear uh, picture of the resurrection that included a couple of things. It, co- it included a couple of encounters and one of them was with Thomas so John, yeah. who wrote this, and he made it really clear in his book, he says, the reason I'm writing this is so that you would believe that he is the son of God and that, and that by believing you would have life in his name. So he, he, that was the reason he wanted to write the book. And he included yep. Thomas, who was doubting the resurrection, even though he had been with Jesus and lived with him and you know, yeah. listened to him over and over, all these different things. And, and yet he still had questions. And John wanted to include that in his account. I think he included it because he knew that we would have questions too. 
and questions are okay. Yeah. They actually can be the foundation for our faith rather than something to be afraid of or scared of. Yeah, and I love that. And I think, I mean, there are some people who who would rightly critique the church for, you know, we're we're all about the power and the resurrection of Jesus and and grace and all of that. And we've got room for anything unless you believe something different. And in which case, no room for you, right? Yeah. Like there's a bit of a like, yeah. Um, at which you kind of preached against on Sunday. You said it's, it's okay to have doubts. It's okay to ask questions. Um, our God, the God of the resurrection is actually big enough for any of our questions, yeah. uh, which is a big deal. Yeah, And I think there are two kinds of questions that we can ask. We can be, uh, we can sort of have this, um, this skepticism that is not helpful where we're not searching mm-hmm. after answers, um, where we just kind of shut down and say, you know what? I don't, I don't believe it. It's it's crazy, and I'm just going to shut myself out to that. That's not the kind of questions or doubt that I'm talking about. I think yeah. that most people listening to this podcast, you know, after after being with us on Sunday, are honestly seeking answers, and that's the kind of questioning mm-hmm. that I think is really helpful for us. And so, yeah. for those of us in the church who feel guilty about our questions, um, that's a good like this is this is it means you're thinking it means that you're sort of you're you're leaning in and that's a good thing and if you're outside mm-hmm. you know kind of trying to figure this stuff out still not really sure um asking questions is is got to be the way it begins jesus never asked for blind faith that's that's like that's yeah. that's never been a requirement we're we're mm-hmm. you know so there there's good reason to believe yeah. I mean, I loved, I love that we talked about Thomas um, and I love that his declaration that Jesus was Lord. I also found it fascinating. So we read the story and maybe this is just a little detail that um, I, most people missed, but you talked about Jesus told Thomas to put his hands in his side and, and on his scars, like Thomas had said he, he wanted to. Yeah. And the, the letter doesn't actually, the, the book of John doesn't actually tell us that Thomas did that. No. Um, which is funny because in all the art, like one of my, my absolute favorites is the the picture of Thomas putting his hand in Jesus's side. Yeah. Just so graphic and, and wonderful. And, um, but yeah, there's actually no proof in the text that that happened. Uh, and I love that. Like you can tell that Thomas, it, he wanted it. Like, yeah. and, and I mean, maybe he, maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but like, you can tell that the way that John wrote the story is like, Thomas was eager to believe that Jesus was real, right? Yeah. He wasn't he earlier had been a skeptic, but was really wrestling with how can this be true? Yeah. And now he was believing it. And I think there's some of that same kind of thing, right? Yeah. He wasn't just trying to be against something. He, he actually wanted to believe it, but just couldn't imagine how it would be true. Yeah. I think, I think one of the famous um, paintings, I think it's by Rembrandt. I can't remember which one it is uh, actually depicts Thomas not touching, but sort of having his hands up sort of in this response to Jesus, kind of like looking back, mm. which is a really, a really powerful image. But I think I think what that also indicates to us is that sometimes our answers are not the ones we're looking for. So sometimes we go into our our doubt or our time of questioning with a very specific thing. You know, God, why yeah. aren't you answering this issue or why aren't you changing this situation for me? And what we find mm-hmm. is that God answers us in a different way. He shows he reveals himself to us. Okay, this is like so I don't want to, you know, use all this churchy language, but just just the yeah. idea that he shows up. And all of a sudden, when he shows up, our questions become much less important to us. All of a sudden, we're like, mm-hmm. "Oh, okay, forget that. Let me now. I'm into a new a new place where I'm asking." And 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 I think that's important for us, and and probably a detail that was left out on purpose. Um, yeah. Thomas said, "I'm not going to believe until I touch it," and Jesus came and showed up, 
And then he said, you know, like, come and look. And he's like, I got the, <laughs> okay, you know, yeah, I'm with you. Like, the it. guy who comes back yeah. to life, I'm going to follow that guy. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, but I think that's a really important thing to remember is that sometimes the way that God answers our, our requests or our questions um, is not always the way that we expect. Sometimes we find that mm-hmm. we're looking for something else. And ultimately, it's often so, just wanting Jesus to show up. Yeah, yeah. So so how um, how has doubt played into your journey of faith? You say this is something that's really important. It's it's it. I don't know if you said it's a cornerstone. Like, yeah. is it is it necessary in everyone's faith, or do, does it play more into some people's faith than others? Has it played into your journey at all? Uh, it has played into my journey for sure. Um, so I've had different times in in my like different times have have brought different questions out. Uh, I think one of the questions, you know, I, I'm a naturally inquisitive person. So certainly there's a lot of questions that that come up around um, some of the historical things that we come across, you know, okay, so, hmm. you know, I, there are certain things that, um, that we we read in, in the Bible, and then we don't find the, the, the evidence yet in history. And the response to that is often, well, okay, the more we search into, you know, archaeology and those kinds of things, uh, we begin to find some of this, you know, for instance, finding the Dead Sea Scrolls and all that stuff. And, and to me, there's a lot of value in seeing, you know, that, you know, if the Psalms or if, if there's passages that were found, and then you compare them to, you know, copies that are thousands years earlier, and, and there's, there's no difference. Those are really important things for me and my faith. But yep. what I've come to realize and understand through that is that, um, I've decided not to, um, I've actually kind of made this conscious decision not to fret over some of those historical data because we don't have the complete picture. And so um, if someone were to come to me and say, yeah, but you know that this and this and this, and I would just say, okay, yeah, I understand. I'm not burying my head in the sand and, and ignoring those things. But what I've decided yep. in those cases is to say, I'm going to trust um, because in fact, in many ways, uh, I would say that the the way... Again, so I don't get those specific questions answered in terms of okay, why is there is there a gap here historically or whatever? What, mm-hmm. an, what the answers to me are often uh, places where I see God at work, uh, and mm. and that's where I, I and again it's it's this idea of God showing up in those moments where it's like whoa okay, that's clearly you know God trying to get my attention, and so that's yep. what kind of leads to that. It wasn't a very good answer, but. I, no, but I, I I hear you. Like, and I've I there'd be some similarities in my own my own journey, like um, wrestling through specifically like how how the Bible came to be, the canonization of the Bible, and what you know what constitutes a book of the Bible, and were there any changes made, and is there a common source for some of the Gospels, and some of those things that they're fascinating. The academics have been studying them for a while, and there's some really like rich and good stuff in there, but it can also lead you down this rabbit hole of like wait a minute, did we make all of this up? Which we didn't. And, yeah. and you, I've come to a point where I've just learned to be like, oh no, I've because I've seen the evidence of God working in my own life and in people around me, right. like the story of God is not just found in the Bible. Uh, it is found in the Bible. And I, I trust now, I, you kind of have to trust on faith that the way the Bible came together was the way God intended the Bible come to, yeah. to come together. And like, I don't have all the answers. I don't know. I wasn't in the room. We don't have perfect records of it. Like, sure. But like, we trust that God 
did that in, in the same way that because he's been at work in my life and because I've seen his hand, yeah. um, it's the same God, right? And we, yeah. so that's part of it. There's, there's a need for that personal experience. And I think often, um, yeah, we, we do need to take those steps of, of faith and risk to allow God to work yeah. to overcome our doubts. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think, um, you know, and, and let me bring it to the resurrection, right? Because I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's one thing to say that experientially I, I know Jesus to be present in my life because of, you know, things that happen that I attribute to him and people, um, you know, might see that differently depending on, on what their sort of, what their worldview is. But I would say yep. that the resurrection to me is, you know, one of the things I said on Sunday was the resurrection itself is, is one of those things that starts to eat away at other questions and things that we have. So mm-hmm. for instance, yeah. um, uh, Tim Keller talks about this idea that that the onus for uh, for uh, our faith is often on um, is on us to defend in term you know but what he would say is that there if if you don't believe in the resurrection then you have to come up with a different uh, belief of how Christianity started so how is yeah. it that this this movement exploded into millions and millions of people around the world following mm-hmm. Jesus. Well, the only thing that makes sense in my mind is some event that was so impactful for the people who heard it first that they were willing to die for it. And so the resurrection becomes this really key point because if it wasn't for the resurrection, Thomas certainly wouldn't have died in India. I mean, if he, if he was left with those questions of like, I don't even believe any of this is true guys, then he's not going to go and give his life for the cause or for the teachings Mm -hmm. of Jesus. Um, and I mentioned this this last time as well. Like there were other messiahs, at least people who claimed to be the messiah at the same time. Yeah. And those people had gathered these great big followings, and then they died. But their teachings alone were not enough to sustain a movement, right? Or their good mm-hmm. example alone was not enough to sustain a movement. There had yeah. to be something else. What what Christianity offers that's different is the resurrection, which is this moment where um, that, that impacts people for so long. And that's, uh, you know, to me that, that, that begins to be a really a strong answer for a lot of the questions that I have. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's really helpful. Um, I mean, the resurrection is just so key. Yeah. Key in our faith. And it is, it's so wild, right? Like to get our minds wrapped around. Yeah. It. Um, and we, we can't in, in so many ways. And yet we kind of have to, we just have to believe it's true in, in the most extraordinary, unbelievable kind of way. Yeah. Um, I, I've been struck lately uh, in the song that oh, praise the name, um, the tomb where uh, soldiers watched in vain was borrowed for three days. Yeah. Right. This idea that Jesus was, was yeah. buried, but they only borrowed the tomb. Yeah. And I just love that. Like, yeah, it doesn't, it's not going to happen in the same way for the rest yeah. of us. Right. Like we'll, we will rise again with Jesus, but like we know that graves are graves and that's why they're kind of creepy. And yeah. yet Jesus was gone. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah. yeah. And, and, and so the thing that I've always been sort of questioning and wondering about, um, you know, is exactly how the presence of Jesus changes things for you, for us today. Hmm. And, you know, Jesus hmm. showed up in that moment and he stood in the room and he said, you know, peace be with you. Right. Which, yep. which automatically, I mean, we're talking about the book of John. In the same book earlier on, when Jesus was with his disciples, he says to them, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you, but I don't give as the world yep. gives, so do not be troubled and do not be afraid. Okay, so that's mm-hmm. there's something there, right? So it's like, okay, now he shows up and says, peace be with you. 
peace be yeah. with you was a, it was a common greeting. But there's something really powerful about this idea that in that moment, the disciples go from complete panic. They're hiding. They've got mm-hmm. the doors locked. They're afraid. And it says specifically that they were overjoyed, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Again, back to Jesus when he's talking to his disciples before in the upper room, he says, your grief will turn to joy. In a little while, you're going to mm-hmm. grieve, but then it's going to turn to joy. Okay. So is it in this room that it, that it turns to joy? I think it is. What's the difference? Yeah. It's his presence. You know, mm. if, if, if Jesus, if the resurrection doesn't happen, then, then the question of, of peace, how does his peace actually be, how is his peace any different than anybody else if he's not raised again? How is the joy yeah. that we feel uh, any more secure if he's not raised again? I mean, you, you see where I'm getting at. The, the point is that his presence as a, rector, as a resurrected Jesus actually changes our situation, gives us peace and, mm-hmm. uh, and provides us with this joy, takes us from grief to joy. Yep. And so it's, it's something, you know, one, one thing I'm often asked as a question is, can I be a follower of Jesus and not believe in the resurrection or not believe mm-hmm. in the crazy stuff in terms of the miracles and stuff that happened in the Bible? What I would say is that is that if you are basing your faith on anything less than a risen savior, you're mm-hmm. you're opting for a cheap substitute that is not going to bring you peace and is not going to bring you joy. Um, neither mm-hmm. does it provide any hope, right? So there yeah. there is. I would say that um, is it fo- possible to be a follower of Jesus without believing in the resurrection? I would say, um, you know, pretty clearly that that the resurrection has to be a foundation for our belief right so yeah Yeah, absolutely um and i i mean that that moment of jesus being with his disciples is also in my mind just a foretaste of what's coming at pentecost right right? that the spirit being god's presence with us always i mean jesus doesn't physically appear beyond that that appearance uh, multiple times right, right. A- after that point it becomes the spirit the spirit with the church the spirit yeah. with us um, yeah. and again if you have a unresurrected jesus you don't have the spirit and you you know what what is it we follow a, a guy who lived a couple thousand years ago who had some good teachings and yeah people made some stuff up about him like it's that's not worth following that's no. not worth you know it's it's only worth following if the resurrection is real yeah um yeah, and yeah, so I, I think that, that the resurrection is is worth continuing to you know pursue in terms of a um, a, a right understanding. Like it's like okay, let's keep digging yeah. in here and see if if this is true. Um, and I'm not mm-hmm. suggesting that that we just assume that it's all true because someone told you that it was true. Um, you know, yeah. like go look into it, right? Like figure it out. So how, like, let's, let's say, um, yeah, you're wrestling with doubts about if the resurrection is true. How do we? how do we allow our doubts to become part of our faith and how do we, how do we respond appropriately? How do we not become hopeless, but actually seek good answers and where can we find them? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a good, so I would say I mentioned before, right. Acknowledge them first. This is, I started with this idea, acknowledge them, uh, take them to take them to God. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, so like part of this is about finding somebody who you trust, who you can have a conversation. I would say, keep exploring, uh, take them to God, yeah. and then and then I I said allow your encounter with Jesus to change you completely. So that that would be yeah. my my the application would be you know don't ignore, keep exploring, take it to God. You know just keep that mantra over and over and over again. But mm-hmm. I would say that when it comes to um, 
you know, John talks about belief more than any other gospel. He says it almost a hundred times. I think it's 70 plus or something like that. And the other gospels use a word faith instead. So he uses this word belief, which means to me that he has this point of, okay, I want you to, that's important to this. And what he, what he talks about in his, uh, in the resurrection um, passage is that he, he talks about the encounters that Jesus had after the fact, right? And Mm, uh, after he came back to life. And so there's a couple of things that he really focuses in on. And um, the first one that the first fact about the resurrection is that the body wasn't there. So there's this empty tomb. And then the second thing that he talks about is the appearances. So if you, if you put those two things together, you, you begin to gain some confidence in the resurrection. If only one of those Mm -hmm. things, if it said, you know, you have these, this resurrection, but there's no empty tomb, then people are going to say, well, it's an imposter or someone dressing up as Jesus or, you know, whatever. If, if, yeah. or you, and if the tomb is um, empty, but there's no uh, appearance of Jesus, then you would say, well, mm-hmm. the people went and stole the body and it's pretty simple and it's pretty clear. John yeah. makes sure that you know both of these things. In fact, he goes into detail about what the grave clothes look like in there. They were all folded up. They weren't just strewn about. So there's this mm-hmm. idea that um, that he makes it clear right from the very beginning those two things are important to believe and and I think mm-hmm. it's a it's actually a good model for us to to begin to to go through this. What does it mean that the tomb was empty and what does it mean that he appeared to other people um, who said it and and the Bible some of the, these New Testaments were were written uh, and people could read them and could say you know that's not true they could go you know like the Apostle Paul even talked about in his book about you know. Uh, Jesus appearing to almost 500 people. What you, what Paul was essentially mm-hmm. asking was, go ask them. <laughs> you don't believe me? Go ask them. Yeah. They're still alive. Yep. Um, so there yep. was lots of opportunity for people to come out and say, no, actually, he's dead. Here's the body, or you know, whatever. And that never happened. Yeah. So hmm. yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot yeah. there in in the passage for sure. Oh, there's so much, and there, I mean, this whole subject of doubt is is huge. Um, and pr- probably the best way to deal with it again, it might not be us talking about it, but if, if you, if this is something you're wrestling with, come talk to us. We would love to have a conversation with you. We would love to, um, journey with you. Uh, and, and I think that's what it takes, right? This is part of the reason why the church is a community is that we journey together through these things. We're, we're running out of time here, Paul. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this up pretty quick. Did you know that this is episode number 50 of our podcast? It is episode number 50. We've been doing it for uh, more than a year now. Uh, it's pretty exciting. Um, but I think we're going to we're gonna take a little twist next week. Uh, we're still kind of sorting out what exactly that will look like. We recognize that right now there's uh, people are commuting less, spending less time in their cars. So spending more time watching videos and watching shorter things. Um, less time sitting down and listening to a 20-minute podcast. If you're listening to this, that's awesome. We love it. And we're still going to do something, but we're kind of wrestling through how do we... Uh, we, we've had a lot of conversations with the staff. How do we be the church well in this season when a lot of the things we've done as the church have been gathering and we can't gather right now? Um, so we may spend a bit of time talking about that. We might try to make this a little more interactive, get some more voices in here. Um, we're still playing with ideas, but if you've got ideas, we'd love to hear them. Yeah, and we, uh, we will for sure be back soon with some more great uh, conversation, some great stuff that right. uh, will help you feel part of the community at Compass Point, uh, and and hopefully help you in your journey of discipleship and faith. So, any uh, closing thoughts for us, Paul? No, I think you wrapped it right up. I I, I would just say, you know, just quickly, I, I remember having somebody in my office um, who was struggling with uh, something pretty severe, 
And um, uh, she came with she came with a list of questions that she had written down on a piece of paper as she had been journaling. And um, mm. she was having a hard time really sort of understanding where God was in the middle of everything that she was facing. And I remember uh, the first thing that I said to her was that, you know, God's not afraid of those questions. Nothing on there shocks him. Yeah. Nothing yeah. on there is something that you need to be ashamed of. Uh, this is a great place to be and a great place to start. And mm. I can tell you that, uh, you know, after some time struggling with those questions, uh, she's come out the other side in a real positive way. And um, cool. and I, I couldn't be happier. It's, it is often the beginning of a strong faith uh, asking those questions. Awesome. I love that. So keep keep wrestling. Keep wrestling with your faith and your doubt. Yep. Uh, and remember the resurrection. This is... Agreed. He is risen, right? He is risen indeed. All right. So good. Well, thank you, friends. Uh, we will talk to you soon with some more Postscript.